I live out in the country where the corn grows as high as an elephant's eye. Unless, of course, the raccoons have gotten to it. Raccoons can take out a patch of sweet corn in no time flat. Well, my neighbor Betty won't stand for it because you don't mess with Betty's sweet corn. One of my simple pleasures in life is sitting back and watching Betty go to war against those raccoons. She brings out her greatest weapons, and you're never gonna guess what they are. First, she puts out a radio in the middle of that sweet corn patch, and she blasts country music all night long. Then she goes to the kitchen, and she grinds up some jalapeno peppers, garlic, vinegar, and she spritzes it all around that sweet corn patch. Finally, when her husband comes in from mowing the lawn on a hot summer day, he hands over his stinky undershirt to Betty, and she stakes it in the ground with a oomph. Because if nothing else scared those raccoons away, this sure would. With the help of these unlikely instruments, Betty wins that war against those raccoons summer after summer, and she reaps a harvest of sweet corn. Hi, I'm Laura Booz. Welcome to the Women of the Bible podcast. In this season, my friend Aaron Davis is leading us in a study about Deborah, an unlikely instrument in God's battle plan against a fearsome enemy. The Bible is full of stories of unlikely heroes. A stuttering nomad led God's people out of slavery. A young man with a slingshot took down an intimidating giant. And a humble savior went to war with sin and death so that we could be saved. Judges 4 and 5 reads like a who's who of unexpected warriors. From Deborah to Barak to Jael, none of these look like conquering heroes. Not from a human perspective. But God always has a different plan in mind. Come on, let's join Aaron, open to the book of Judges, and explore this topic further. I want to know, what kind of weakness makes you the most frustrated. I'll go first. Mine is physical. It makes me crazy that I have physical weakness, that I have to sleep, that I have chronic things in my body that I can't seem to get over. That makes me crazy. It's so frustrating to me. Stacy. I know you've got weaknesses. You know I we do. We all do. Which ones are the most frustrating to you? Mine uh, is my emotional state. Ooh. If I'm embarrassed, I cry. If I'm frustrated, I cry. And then I'm mad at myself for crying. Yeah. So definitely. You know, that. women, when we cry, we all say the same thing. I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Literally every time it does not matter. Yeah. I Okay. I might change my answer. I'm also very frustrated by my emotional weakness. You got something to add, Laura? No, I agree with you both. Yeah. Sometimes I get frustrated that I'm so sensitive. Mm. So that might yes. be a little variant here. Yeah. But I'm so sensitive. Yes. So little things can hurt me and I have to just deal with it. I know by now it's not everybody else in the world. Right. It's, <laughs> it's me. <you. laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the heroes whose photos would hang on our hall of faith if we had them. They are a bunch of weak rascals. That is what they are. They probably are frustrated by their weaknesses. And, you know, that's not true in any other context. you got the Sports Hall of Fame. They're strong and accomplished. You hang photos in a in a corporate context. It's usually, you know, the go-getters, go-getters the ones that bring in the, the most money, the richest. Uh, the Music Hall of Fame, they sell the most albums. You don't get in the Hall of Fame for selling five albums or whatever nah. however it would be right so but here it, christians were like they're the ones 
the weak mm-hmm. ones. Yeah. Those are the ones we celebrate. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in this episode. I hope this is not your first time joining us, but if it is, welcome to the Women of the Bible podcast. And I want the two of you to introduce yourselves. I could introduce you. We have a limited amount of time and I would just go on and on and on and on about how much I love you. So I'll let you introduce yourselves. Um, my name is Laura Booz and I am married to Ryan. Ryan and I have six children and I homeschool them. So that's like the lion's share of my focus and energy and attention. None of that exposes any weakness. <laughs> oh, yes, it does. Yes, it's a hard job, but I love it. Yeah. And God has allowed in this past year, he's opened the door for me to write a book, mm. uh, which I'm so excited about. It's called Expect Something Beautiful, Finding God's Good Gifts in Motherhood. Did you discover any weakness while writing a book? Oh, yes. Yeah, I'm just going to keep bringing <laughs> us back to that theme. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And he also opened the door for me to do a podcast, which is called Expect Something Beautiful. Which we love. Oh, Part of the you. Reviver Hearts podcast family. And in it, I tell stories about my weakness and God's strength. I think so. you are the fun, <laughs> wise, big sister of the podcast family. Mm. Like you're the one <laughs> that I want to listen to all the time. All right, Stacy, what do we need to know about you? Um, I'm Stacy Rudolph. I'm a lead teacher with True Girl. Just really love diving into God's word. And more importantly, I love getting girls into God's word. I feel mm. like we don't give our tweens enough credit when it comes to studying the Bible and diving they can into do the it. Deeper. They can. Mm. So Absolutely. that's what I'm all about. That's where my heart is. Hey, you're also part of the Reviver Hearts podcast family. Yes. You're like the fun wise younger sister. I try. Tell us about that podcast. Yeah, we're definitely starting something just for tweens to have that conversation with mom on the way home from school, on the way to the grocery store. Just something that's short enough for them to be able to sit through it, to listen to it, but to dig deep into God's truth together. All of the deep spiritual conversations at my house happen in the car. So I think you're on (laughs) to something. Well, we're now partway through this season of the Women of the Bible podcast, we're focusing on Deborah. And I just, in case somebody's popping in partway here, I want to catch her up. So quick refresher, Deborah's story is found in the book of Judges. God's people had rebelled. They were worshiping idols and God gave them over to the Canaanites. We won't talk all about the Canaanites, but bad news bears to be taken over by the Canaanites. Mm-hmm. And just the quiz, see how well you were listening. How long had they experienced the discipline of the Lord in this particular story? I feel like I need a buzzer. Buzz it. 20 years. 20 <laughs> years. A plus, plus, plus. Thank you, thank All right. You. And then uh, Judges 4 3 tells us they cried out to the Lord for help. Eventually, took them a while, 20 years, but eventually they cry out for help. Mm-hmm. Deborah's a part of that solution. She's a judge. She's a prophetess. She calls Barack. She gives him a message from the Lord. Laura, here's your chance to be an A++ student. Okay, I'm ready. What is the essence? You don't have to give it word for word. What is the essence of the message that Deborah delivers to Barack? She asks him, hasn't the Lord commanded you to get your men and to go into battle? Mm -hmm. Go fight Sisera, who is the general of the Canaanites. And so little tidbit here, Deborah is the only female of the 12 judges listed in the book of Judges. And um, that makes her likable to me. Some of the other ones were kind of scoundrels. But I'm sure she had weaknesses. They all had weaknesses. And yet God appointed them as judges. Can you think of, and this will be easy, this is the easy A, can you think of some other examples from Scripture where God used someone weak to accomplish his purposes? I know they were all weak, but let's give some specific examples where God used the weak to accomplish his purposes. Mm, I think right away of Moses. Mm. And he said he, he couldn't speak clearly. He had a stutter or a stammer. Right. And was insecure about that. God yeah. used him. He sure did. I, I think of Peter. And we know that Peter was the rock on who Christ built his church. And we'd like to think of him maybe post-Pentecost as he's preaching these powerful sermons. But 
Peter was also a guy of weakness that had doubts, that made mistakes, that repeated those mistakes. Mm -hmm. And yet the Lord used him in a really profound way. Sure did. Yeah. I think of King David, just in Mm. the things he fell into and the snares he was kind of involved in and just got that God uses his weakness to do great things for God and says that he's a man after his own heart. Yeah. And that that really is the pattern Mm -hmm. that God uses the weak to accomplish his purposes. Why? I know we're all weak, so that's one answer, that if he didn't use the weak, he couldn't use any of us. But is there a bigger answer? Why does God use the King Davids? Why does why did he pick Moses with the speech impediment or the stammer or whatever? Why did he build his church on Peter, who had a pattern of sin and doubt in his life? Why does God do that? I think because in our weaknesses, God's strength shines through. So it's a, it's a way for him to come in and be big and be our strength when we're weak. You got it. That actually Mm -hmm. comes straight from the Bible. Can you take us to 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 31? Absolutely. It says, brothers and sisters, consider your calling. Not many were wise from a human perspective, not many powerful, not many of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing, to bring to nothing what is viewed as something, so that no one may boast in his presence. It is from him that you are in Christ Jesus, who became wisdom from God for us, our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, in order that as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. There's the million dollar answer right there, that no one would boast in his presence. God chooses the weak so that he gets the glory. Mm -hmm. Deborah's fortunate in that scripture doesn't canonize her weaknesses like some other people uh, do, but we know that Deborah had weaknesses. She was a woman of flesh, and yet God uses her. Uh, We're going to see that in the whole book of Judges. We're going to look at some of the other characters and judges in this episode. Let's head to Judges chapter 4, verse 3. I'll get verse 3. And then, Laura, could you read us 6 and 7? I think you've read them before. Maybe you'll be a pro at them by now. But I'm going to read Judges 4.3. You're going to get pick it up at 6 and 7. Mm-hmm. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help. For he had 900 chariots of iron, and he oppressed the people of Israel cruelly for 20 years. That's Sisera that this is talking about. 900 chariots of iron, and he oppressed the people of Israel cruelly for 20 years. Laura, 6 and 7. So Deborah sent and summoned Barak, the son of Abinoam from Kadesh Naphtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you, Go, gather your men at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 from the people of Naphtali and the people of Zebulun. And I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the river Kishon with his chariots and his troops, and I will give him into your hand. Yeah, when I think of these verses, I am amazed that God didn't need chariots to overcome chariots. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Scissor had 900 chariots. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the equivalent to that for us? Like thousands of troops and airplanes and submarines mm-hmm. and cannons. Mm-hmm. And yet to Barak, Barak's commanded to gather these 10,000 men and mm-hmm. go, go up and foot. go yeah. on foot. Foot Do soldiers it. versus chariots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is not going to turn out well unless the Lord intervenes. Lord, do you have some thoughts? I do. I, I thought I could tell. Okay, so there's a verse in Psalm 20, verse 7, and it says, Some trust in chariots and others in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Mm. Amen. So good. Yes, I cling to that. I wonder if mm. the psalmist was 
talking about this story. I wonder. Yeah. Could I have been. Well, mm-hmm. great minds think alike because I wanted to go to the Psalms in this episode. Mm-hmm. Let's go together to Psalm 46. And I really feel like this is a psalm for our day. And I, as I was picturing women listening to this episode, I thought, let's just give them this psalm. Let's just give them God's word mm-hmm. to paint this picture of what God can do. So let's read it in stanzas. I'll read one through three. Stacy, you pick it up four to seven. And then Laura, you end it eight through 11. Mm-hmm. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river. Its streams delight the city of God, the holy dwelling place of the Most High. God is within her. She will not be toppled. God will help her when the morning dawns. Nations rage, kingdoms topple. The earth melts when he lifts his voice. The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. I wanted to read that because it's, I don't sure we always realize that it's in the context of war that we get that verse, be still and know that I'm God. We think it's like beside a babbling brook. And that is, we see this illustrated in Deborah's story, in Barak's story, that God is using the weak to conquer the strong enemy. And he does that over and over and over. Now, I don't think the psalmist wrote this with the battle of Sisera in mind, but God did this for the Israelites more than once, and he does it for us more mm-hmm. than once. Mm-hmm. The psalmist is like, chariots, bring them. Armies, send them. <laughs> Vicious generals, come on, because the God of angel armies is on our side. And I just think mm-hmm. that's so strengthening and encouraging for whatever battles we're in. So let's head back to Judges. We're going to stay pretty close to Judges 4 and 5 for the rest of this episode. And I want to revisit Judges 4, 6 through 10. She sent and summoned Barak, the son of Abinadab, from Keshus Naphtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you, Go, gather your men at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 from the people of Naphtali and the people of Zebulun, and I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the river, Kishon, with his chariots and his troops, and I will give him into your hand. Barak said to her, If you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory. The Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. And Barak called out Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh. And 10,000 men went up at his heels. And Deborah went up with him. Okay, there's a lot we don't know about Barak. And so when there's a lot we don't know, we tend to make assumptions. So I'm curious, what are your assumptions about Barack, Stacy. Well, right off the back, you kind of get the sense that he's a scaredy cat mm-hmm. a little bit, kind of needs her to hold his hand a little bit as he goes into the battle. Yeah. Any assumptions from you, Laura? Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of like maybe what uh, Jonah wrestled with when the Lord called him to go to Nineveh. It seems like he was he was sitting on this command mm-hmm. personally until Deborah called it out. Because it was a reminder. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And who knows how long. Right. Right. Yeah. And then... It, it, he kind of needs her to reassure him that he's 
doing the right thing. Right. I'm not sure. It's important to me that we go, okay, this is what the text actually says. Right. And this is what we think, this is what we assume. And Mm -hmm. the text doesn't give us a lot to go on again. So Barack does insist that Deborah go with him. Was he scared? We don't know. Was an expression of unbelief? We don't know. As I was reading it again, I thought, well, it could have been an expression of humility mm-hmm. that he was honoring that he knew Deborah had heard a word from the Lord. He could have just as easily said, you're crazy. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that you heard from the Lord. And there is a precedence among the Israelites for taking symbols of God's presence into battle. They do that with the Ark of the Covenant in First Samuel. You know what we do know, Aaron? Uh, he, he shows up in Hebrews 11 in the Great Hall of Faith. So the Lord might have the last word on that. Verse 32, And what more shall I say of all the saints who lived by faith? Mm. For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, so on and so forth. So the Lord is honoring him yeah. here in the New Testament for living by faith. As a man of faith. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't want to color him wrong. I, mm-hmm. I want to look at him and what scripture actually tells us. And but, can I say, it's just... Yeah. It's not really uncommon either. Even when we look at Moses, we see that he needed Aaron kind of, you know, it's like sure. whenever God gives a calling, we feel like we're not ready or we need somebody to go with us or, you know, so. I feel that way. I'm no I, Moses. <laughs> I, I'm no Barack. I, I I wouldn't even put myself in the same category mm-hmm. as them, but I want someone to go with me. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean I don't believe God. It just right. means it's scary. Mm-hmm. So want to make sure that we are are giving him a fair shot here. Mm-hmm. But I think Deborah's answer is interesting. And she said in chapter four, verse nine, and she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Is that a punishment? Was Barack being punished? Hmm. Well, just going with what it says. No. With all it says is, I just need you to know this. You're going to go do this great thing. I need you to know you're not going to get the glory for this because the Lord's plan. God doesn't say I'm going to punish you by giving the glory to the hand of a woman. Mm -hmm. So again, I think as I'm studying this, I think, well, there's another assumption Mm -hmm. that might not necessarily be true. Laura, do you have Isaiah 42, 8? It says, I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. So the fact that God didn't give Barak or Barak, I don't know how you say his name. The fact that he didn't give him the glory isn't necessarily punishment because God doesn't share his glory. Mm. We see that. And he was, we can make some assumptions that he was a military leader. So he might have gotten the all of the glory for the victory. So again, I just want to make sure we're looking at what's actually there and not what we think is there. Mm. Okay, let's pivot to another person in the story, JL. I'm dying to talk about her because I love a good plot twist. Mm. Let's go to Judges 4. She certainly provides one. Judges chapter 4, verses 17 through 18. Who wants to read it? Two verses. I'll take it. Meanwhile, Sisera had fled on foot to the tent of JL, the wife of Haber the Kenite, because there was peace between King Jabin of Hazor and the family of Haber the Kenite. Jael went out to greet Sisera and said to him, Come in, my lord. Come in with me. Don't be afraid. So he went into her tent, and she covered him with a blanket. Okay, we don't know a lot about her. We get her husband's name, Haber. We know some of what she's from. We know she's a Kenite, which could just roll right past our heads, fly right over our heads. We might not know what that means. So let me school us a little bit, uh, Mm -hmm. because I have Google, so I could look it up. Uh, They were not Israelites. The most famous Kenite was Jethro, the 
father-in-law of Moses. They were Midianites. So in this story, they're trying to stay neutral. But there's no neutrality in the war between good and evil. Mm. And she seems to be everything we celebrate about womanhood. She's hospitable. The Bible even tells us that she approached Sisera softly. But that's not how her story ends. Laura, could you read us Judges 4, 19 through 22? And he said to her, Please give me a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. So she opened a skin of milk and gave him a drink and covered him. And he said to her, Stand at the opening of the tent, and if any man comes and asks you, Is anyone here? Say no. But Jael, the wife of Haber, took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand. Then she went softly to him and drove the peg into his temple until it went down into the ground while he was lying fast asleep from weariness. So he died. And behold, as Barak was pursuing Sisera, Jael went out to meet him and said to him, Come, and I will show you the man whom you are seeking. So he went into her tent, and there lay Sisera dead with the tent peg in his temple. Ooh, this is why I was saying, Stacy, this would be a tough one to talk yeah. to each of those preteen mm. girls that you love so much. It's gruesome. Mm. It's kind of hard to think about. Mm-hmm. And yet it was a source of praise for the people of God. Let me read from Judges 5, 24 through 27. This is their song of praise when the battle is over. Most blessed of women be Jael, the wife of Heber the Canaanite, of tent-dwelling women most blessed. He asked for water and she gave him milk. She brought him curds in a noble's bowl. She sent her hand to the tent peg and her right hand to the workman's mallet. She struck Sisera. She crushed his head. She shattered and pierced his temple. Between her feet he sang, he fell. He lies still between her feet. He sank, he fell. Where he sank, there he fell, dead. Imagine singing that Mm. song with the kids at your church. But all human praise is really God's praise. And God orchestrated his people's deliverance through these unlikely instruments. When you think about it, every piece of this story is strange. Every character in this story is unlikely, down to the last man, down to the last woman, including Jael, the Midianite, who was just trying to stay out of the fight, and Sisera shows up at her tent. It's, an, it's quite a story. It's I think quite about a story. the bravery mm-hmm. um, and the courage that she had. Here comes this big, I imagine in my head that he's this huge army commander. You don't just command an army and you're not, you know, kind of scary in some way. So right. him coming in and just her having the courage to do yeah. that is just wild. You it know? is wild. And she lived in the land of God's people. She'd surely heard stories mm-hmm. about God, the deliverer. She reminds me of Rahab. I was you know? just going to say that. Mm-hmm. Rahab, who was not an Israelite, but had heard the stories When God decides to deliver his people, Mm -hmm. there's no stopping him. And she participates in this profound way. It's fascinating. Two little gold nuggets come to me out of these verses that we've read that God can and does use unlikely instruments to deliver his people. None of these people were chosen on merit. They were chosen because God selected them. And that that means God can and does use us. Stacy, I know that you teach for True Girl, and your mission is really to fight for hearts and minds of little girls, and it's an intense battle, you know, in some ways as intense as the battle that Barack fought against Sisera. When you think about the people that God used in this story and the fact that they were all unlikely instruments, what makes you an unlikely instrument to fight the battle that you're fighting? I think just um, my personality. People think I'm kind of 
loud and fun and stuff, but I really am a little bit introverted and a bit quiet. So it is always a little anxiety provoking when I do have to speak or when I do have to deliver something. And so I just think it's really interesting that God would choose to use me knowing that. And it's like when when I get up there, I am still nervous. I am when I do things like this, but all the more I see his strength and his power kind of enabling me to do it because it doesn't make sense when you look at me and my personality. And to bring it back to where we started, it's for his glory. Exactly. You know, somebody that loved to be on stage, that loved to be on front of people, uh, could step right into that and probably secure a lot of glory for themselves. Mm -hmm. Laura, what makes Mm -hmm. you an unlikely instrument to be used in the battles the Lord's fighting? Well, I think particularly, I do love to be on stage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love this. I love speaking with you girls. I love teaching. I just love that. But for most of my womanhood, the Lord has called me home Yeah. to live at home, to love my husband, to love my children. I homeschool my children. And so I think about JL using that tent peg, mm. like this, this very domestic needed for the foundation of your home to hold it down and using that to fight her battle that to me is an unlikely instrument and i see all of the love and care and nurture that i do within my home as being my tent peg yeah in this battle against evil and good overcoming evil you know every time i can remind my children about god's grace and every time i can cheer my husband on and and i'm an unlikely instrument because from the very beginning of this episode talking about my sensitivity and sometimes it feels like it's all about me and I'm so hurt (laughs) that's who would use a vessel like that to love a man and six kids yeah but I have to rely on the Lord to make me strong and to make me loving yeah I think even to hear you say that just thinking about JL and how she was right where she needed to be and where she was supposed to be she was she wasn't at the battle yeah she was at home you Mm -hmm. know right where Mm -hmm. she was supposed to be and God used her where he needed her to be she was there Mm -hmm. so it's just interesting that you're like I felt I was needed in the home and that's where you're supposed to be and over the years I've seen that to be true Mm -hmm. you know I wrestled with it more and more in my earlier years but then in time you see the Lord doing that Mm -hmm. you feel like oh I get it (laughs) Mm. And I'm not saying tomorrow I'm not going to fall into the whole cycle again, but I do see his faithfulness and his work for sure. Well, I'm a cracked pot all the way through. There's nothing that makes me a likely instrument for God to use. Not physically, not mentally, not spiritually, not emotionally. There's nothing I bring to God's table. It's, It's just all grace. Every opportunity is grace. All fruit that hangs on my life is grace. So I think I resonate probably more with JL mm-hmm. than with Deborah, because with Deborah you kind of go, oh yeah, she's at, at ease and she's a judge and there's there's some some valor as we talked about her. JL's just you know on the fringes yeah. and the Lord uses her, and so I think I resonate with her probably the most of any of. The yeah. characters in this story. I used to have a music teacher, and he would always say, um, I'm thankful for my brokenness, for the cracks, because that's how the light gets in. Mm. And I always think about that in just regard to Christ. Like, we're broken so that his glory can abound, so that he can fill us. And it's true. Just more ways for him to get in. And I was just like, mm. I it's like true. That. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think of the Red Sea. Why were their backs against the wall? Why, why were they pressed on every side? Well, so God could get the glory. And I just feel like I'm up at the Red Sea all the time. <laughs> I can't part this. I can't fix it. I can't get Pharaoh to turn around. And then the Lord will intervene so that he can get the glory. And that's what this story is about. That's what every story in scripture is about. It's all pointing us to Jesus. Well, I thought to wrap up this episode, there's a Spurgeon quote. 
you know we love Spurgeon. He's so it's good. Gonna good. Yeah, it's going to be good. Uh, a Spurgeon quote about this part of the story that really speaks to me. You'll, you'll have to notice some of his old English. Spurgeon sometimes talks above my head, but the heart of this is so strong. The Lord can still use feeble instrumentalities. Why not me? He may use persons who are not commonly called to great public engagements. That's you, Stacy. Why not you? The woman who slew the enemy of Israel was no Amazon, but a wife who tarried in her tent. That's you, Laura. She was no orator, but a woman who milked cows and made butter. May not the Lord use any one of us to accomplish his purpose. Somebody may come to the house today. Even a Sisera came to Jael's tent. Be it ours not to slay him, but to save him. Let us receive him with great kindness and then bring forth the blessed truth of salvation by the Lord Jesus, our great substitute, and press home the command, believe and live. Who knoweth but some stout-hearted sinner may be slain by the gospel today. God often uses people with great weaknesses to get his plan done. I've been talking about that with Aaron Davis and Stacy Rudolph. It's part of season six of Women of the Bible. We're looking at the life of Deborah, and to follow along with us, I hope you'll get a copy of this study Aaron wrote called Deborah, Becoming a Woman of Valor. To get a copy, visit reviveourhearts.com slash womenofthebible. When you're there, you can also see each episode on video. Again, visit reviveourhearts.com slash womenofthebible. On the next episode, our friends will explore this question. How can you know God's will? God is always downloading things, but are you in a place that you can hear it and receive it? What interrupts so. the frequency? Sin is yeah. huge, huge, huge. Right. Yes, when it, it really is. I'm Laura Booz, and I hope you'll join us next time on the Women of the Bible podcast. Women of the Bible is a production of Revive Our Hearts, calling women to freedom, fullness, and fruitfulness in Christ.